Hello, listeners. Just to remind you, we have a suggestion box. If you email suggestions at lifenarrated.com, we will get your email and we will respond. Also, you can find us on Stitcher and TuneIn. We're working on iTunes and that will be functional shortly. If you have a suggestion for a theme, please let us know at suggestions at lifenarrated.com. listeners and welcome to life narrated a podcast about life and the stories we tell my name is emily and i am the downfall of humanity my name is lauren and i'm gonna polish your excalibur no wait i'm matt and i'm the backup chosen one and today we're talking about arthurian legends i thought we'd start first with a quick review of everything um that arthur is supposed to have done because researching it i kind of forgot (laughs) all of these things that went into this myth so first we start with Merlin, who, by the way, is a Slytherin. And <laughs> Oh my god, yes he is! Yeah, he is. He totally is. So he bewitched Arthur's father, Uther Pendragon, to the likeness of his rival, the Duke of Cornwall, so he could get busy with the Duchess of Cornwall and produce Arthur. That sounds like something a Slytherin would do. Yeah, it does. <laughs> okay, so and, like, um, Uther Pendragon is definitely a Gryffindor, because he's like... For the win! You know, like... (laughs) Possibly he doesn't understand what went down. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, think about it. Like, Harry just fucking loves drinking polyjuice potion and being turned into somebody else. That's right. He's like, all day, every day, so... (laughs) All day, every day with the polyjuice potion. Right, and then he's got his sinister Slytherin Merlin to... (laughs) So, the the next... And uh, Merlin kind of takes the child and, like, squirrels him away and raises him for some reason. And um, the first time we hear about him after that, there's the sword in the stone. There's like a sword stuck in a stone. And everyone says, oh, the next person to bring this sword out of the stone will be the chosen king of Britain. And all these warriors try it and nobody can do it. And then this little boy, well, probably like a teenager, comes and pulls it out of the stone. That sword, by the way, is not Excalibur. That sword gets trashed. And then Merlin <laughs> he, takes, he levels up to a much better sword. That's right. <laughs> Later Merlin on. takes him to the Lady of the Lake, and they find a wild sword there called Excalibur, and they catch it with their little, you know, Pokeballs. I was about to say, wait, and, a wild sword? What does that mean? A wild, because you know it says, there's a wild Eevee, and you have to catch it. Oh, I'm really into Pokemon today. Ha ha ha, a joke. A joke. <laughs> topical. <laughs> topical. So, <laughs> topical. Oh. So guys... By the way, the original version, Arthur had a sword, um, and he had a shield, and he had a mystical spear. The mystical spear's name was Ron. Yay! (laughs) There's Excalibur and Ron. That's a win for Rons everywhere. Excalibur and Ron? (laughs) And Ron. Yeah, so... His shield's name was something like magical, like, (coughs) you know, Venetius, and then Ron. And Ron. And, like, Bob. Yeah. So, Bob, Ron, um, and Excalibur. <laughs> as a side note, there is uh, the, a fairy that was a handmaiden to the Lady of the Lake. Her name is Nemu. And she was Merlin's nemesis because Merlin falls in love with her. 
and she tricks him into giving her all of the secrets of his magic, and then she uses it against him and locks him in a cave forever. Yeah. Oof. Where you can hear the cry of Merlin, still, apparently. Wait, which cave? I don't know. I'm sure you can, though. We should find out. (laughs) I would really like to go there and try and hear Merlin's screams. Merlin's screams. But, like, at this point... Free him. Well, but, like, at this point, don't you know, it's like, hello... <laughs> like, Hello. Hey it's just got like it's like it's not even like a scream anymore. It's just like a really half-hearted like pick up somebody. I've you been should here just for two thousand years. <laughs> Go to the mouth of the cave and like scream new phone. Who this? <laughs> and just like into the thing. Anyway, um, so yeah, so he was a great military commander. He's a king supposedly. Um, his half sister Morgan Le Fay was a sorceress. Interesting fact, in uh, The Death of Arthur by, um, what's-his-face? No, The Death of Arthur is a book oh. by Mallory. Um, that's the first, um, we'll come to that anyway. But he says that Morgan Le Fay was put to school on a nunnery where she learned magic and necromancy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, Hold up. <laughs> what? The coolest nuns. Yeah, right? So that kind of puts Hamlet in a different context, because he's like, get thee to a nunnery. But she's like, I don't want to learn necromancy. <laughs> Maybe he's like, I need a necromancer on my side, so go learn it. Go! But um, it might sound weird to us today, but many of the women in enclosed orders were uh, learned, and since learning was frequently equated with magic, with mind wizardry, <laughs> Morgan became a sorceress, I guess. Interesting. You learned how um, to read, you fucking witch. How dare you? Right. Like, how dare you? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it was more so, like, no, how does she know all this stuff? Women can't read, so she must be reading our minds, because I know this stuff. Right. Wizardry. <laughs> She's like, well, but, I found it here in this book. Burn her. Yeah. <laughs> Burn the witch. <laughs> so after they, like, go around killing monsters and dragons and evil customs. What? Oh, like and, the like, pagans. Like the pagans, and they're known for their courtly, you know, stuff and rules and whatever. But then they start on the quest for the Holy Grail, which is also part of this legend, which I forgot. And the Holy Grail is, besides some pagan connotations, is supposed to be the cup that Jesus drank from from the Last Supper. But then also his uncle used it to catch blood when they were taking him down off the cross. So it's a holy relic. It's super holy. Super holy relic. I mean, and apparently, all seen Indiana Jones. I mean, we all know how (laughs) awesome this thing is. How awesome it is. So, all of the knights uh, from the round table, which were like 150 to 1,600, like, there's no set number. There's just a (laughs) lot of them. They all went forth to find the Holy Grail. Only three of them came back Sir Galahad, Sir Percival, and Sir Bors. But more than that, there's another aspect of the story, which is Guinevere. And Guinevere was abducted by Melwas because he was in love with her. And Lancelot go- went to go save her. And they had this, like, courtly love relationship, which means they didn't have sex. Yeah, the whole idea of, like, courtly love and, like, chivalry is, like, very platonic. Yeah. But, like, and then, but still, like, super, like, you have the emo sad about it. Like, so, like, the amount of, like, sad you have equated with your, like, unrequited love is the same, but no, like, fun stuff. But good for poetry. Great. For unrequited love. And then 
So, but then there's another, you know, as the story evolves over the years. Um, oh, an interesting aspect before I get to that is that Guinevere, uh, Lancelot goes to save Guinevere and he has to ride in a cart, which is in the time uh, was a vehicle reserved for criminals on their way to the gallows. And for a moment, Lancelot hesitates because he's like, I'm not a criminal. And there's like these strict, you know, rules in these days, these courtly rules. So he's like, I can't be seen riding in this cart. But he does it anyway. And he goes and saves Guinevere. But Guinevere learns of his hesitation and later spurns him as not worthy of her affections. He because he would ride in the cart? Because he, 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 he hesitated about not doing to, it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, What? <laughs> You how know, dare, how dare you hesitate before you come save me? <laughs> That's right. Next time there's uh, Uber there. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. There's and like, um, There's like a oh. great, it's the family guy version of Star Wars. You know, we're like in the original no, one, she's like, aren't you that short to be a stormtrooper? And then the, <laughs> and the family guy one, she's like, aren't you that fat to be a stormtrooper? And he's like, well, stay in here and rot, you dumb bitch. And like, <laughs> I just kind of like wish Lancelot had had that, you know, she's like spurning him and he's just like, okay. Well, and just like picks her up and puts her right back where she was. <laughs> <laughs> he like goes back to whoever stole her and was like, look, I got the, the, uh, the escaped captive. Right. You can you know totally what? have her back. Right. <laughs> I changed but, my mind, um, actually. She's a witch. Uh, she's a witch. <laughs> I found out she's, she can read and I don't want her anymore. She's broken. <laughs> she can read, guys. I think she's a witch. <laughs> but later the stories of Guinevere and Lancelot turn into this like full-blown love affair and supposedly brought the end to the round table because they have an affair and then Guinevere is supposed to be burned at the stake because of this affair. No word on Lancelot's punishment, by the way. And he lost when she's on the stake to be burned, Lancelot rescues her. And then Arthur is forced to and he kills a couple of the knights um, on his way out, basically. And so the Arthur is forced to go after him. And while he's gone, Mordred, who is King Arthur's illegitimate son, raises an army and declares himself king and is like, fuck you guys. And so Arthur has to come back. And they have a huge battle. Mordred is killed. Arthur is fatally wounded. But one of Arthur's most loyal knights takes him to the Lady of the Lake, throws Excalibur into the lake for some reason, and then um, some fairies come and get Arthur and take him to the mystical Isle of Avalon, where he's supposed to be resting, waiting to be king again. Recuperating from that that wound. Recuperating. Getting some well well deserved R and R. What? He's going to get a real shock when he comes back and there's a democracy and he's like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> he's like, what the shit is this, guys? Pulls out his Excalibur and, like, anybody in the world pulls out a nine and is like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's I up? You've reached an impasse. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with um, a stupid sharp piece of metal. <laughs> so, ac- actual evidence of Arthur or whatever is really slim. Um, at the time, nobody mentioned anything about him, so he's not, there's no, uh, contemporary, you know, writings about him. Um, the, the consensus among historians is that Arthur probably did exist, either as an individual or as a, as a composite of several individuals. 
Um, since many of the like dark age heroes are kind of composites of other people, they kind of assume that's what happened. But the first mention is in the history of Britain, penned in 830 and attributed to uh, an author called Nennius, which is a banging name. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> and he describes how someone called Arthur fights 12 battles. And in the final battle of Mount Baden, he kills 940 men fell by his hand alone. Nice. Which, yeah, yeah, so when I was looking up stuff, there's, like, references to things where it's, like, there'll be, like, snippets of Arthur, like, but, like, in the context of, like, it was saying that, like, oh, yeah, this really great warrior, he, like, killed 300 soldiers, but he's no Arthur. You no, know, and interesting. It's it kind of, like, thrown in there, it's, like, a compare, you know, so it's, like, you're reading this, you'd be, like, reading something, and then it was kind of, like, I guess Arthur was this, like, known hero... So it's okay. like, oh yeah, this guy's really great, but he's no Arthur, okay? You know, like, he's, he's you know, he has a few more leveling ups to do. <laughs> and he, um, well, in that thing, he was referred to as a leader of battles and not a king. He's never really referred to in the early text as a king. So he might have just been like a huge warrior. Like a really good general or something. Yeah. And in the beginning, the... The stories kind of place him 500 years before the medieval legend suggests. And that's a thousand years before um, Mallory wrote um, The Death of Arthur, which is like the definitive text. Um, I looked up this uh, person who does like anthropological study on the life of Arthur. And she kind of put it into perspective because about um, 410 AD, the Romans left... Uh, Britain, and kind of their technological innovation slowed, and there was less international trade, and um, native Britons seemed to have gone back to earlier traditions of settlement, and after that, the Ang- Anglos and Saxons, they came straight in yeah. and kind of overran Britain, and at that time, it's kind of a legend that they could have hung on to, you know, of Arthur, who's coming back, and it's going to save them and be a, uh, you know... A uh, dude for them. <laughs> it's like they're just sitting there going, like, mm, Saxons and this. Mm, you wait till Arthur hears about this. <laughs> you wait. You'll get your. We're going to sit here and take it, but when Arthur gets back, you'll get your comeuppance. <laughs> um, and that's an important literary tradition that we'll talk about later. <laughs> you'll get yours. The spiteful one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the spiteful one. So, um, another important source was written by Geoffrey of Monmouth. Um, and it was in 1330, uh, no, sorry, 1130s, um, and it's kind of a pseudo-history because he's basically been, been contracted by the Normans, who, for uh, for reference, they're from France, modern-day France, which used to be called Brittany, and hence where the Britons are from. And so they wanted to connect their current rule with, like, this historical uh, tradition in England. So they were like, hey, write this awesome story about this Britain king who kicked everyone's butt. Yeah. And he, like, so so Jeffrey, like, when people look at it now, well, and even in his time, it was kind of mm-hmm. like, it was kind of understood. Like, he was like, it's like historical fiction. So it's like, right. you know, so certain, he took certain elements that were like, you know, like, like there are these key battles and then he would make up people that were there. 
or whatever. Okay. So, like, it wasn't, or, like, you'd be like, oh, yeah, like, King Arthur was definitely at the this battle that we know happened. Okay. But there's really, like, other than him saying he was there, there's not really a lot of proof. Okay. So, All right. Interesting. Yeah, so, like, a lot of people just like, oh, yeah, Joffrey just really liked to lie. Like, <laughs> he, you know, like, he just, he would do it because he... Because he could, and, like, nobody, I guess, like you said, like, he was commissioned to do this, so he was kind of... propaganda. Yeah, he's kind of doing what they wanted. But he yeah. also set the, um, to, like, to break into what you were saying, Emily, because I think, mm-hmm. like, so Joffrey of Monmouth's idea of who author is... Author? Arthur. Arthur. Like, so before, so there's, like, two versions, like, literarily speaking... Uh-huh. Of um, so there's the like pre Joffrey or Jeffrey, mm-hmm. or which they which like if you look it up on like online or whatever they this is the Galfredian texts the pre Galfredian okay. so Galfredian was like the Latin form of Jeffrey. Okay, why gotcha. it has to be Latin <laughs> when he goes by Jeffrey everywhere else? But so there's Romans, like the man. pre I know. So there's like the pre Jeffrey. So this is before Historia, the history of the kings of Britain, and mm-hmm. um, and then everything after, which is called post Jeffrey or the Galfredian texts, because everything before has a very like has certain things connecting them. And you touched on a lot of those, Emily. You're talking about like there's so much, but like. They they have found like I guess like someone has tried to compile like everything pre Jeffrey to like yeah. get an idea and there's like just it's so much that they like really couldn't do it um, okay. but they found these like strands these common threads of everything and um, and I have those and we can we can talk about those but um, everything after is influenced by Jeffrey so that's why they have the, okay. Post him and pre him because everything pre-him. after he wrote it is somehow tied up into that. Okay. Yeah. And so um, it's pretty, real quick. This guy like do, really. Sorry. Yeah. Did a number on him though. <laughs> well, I do want to get into that. But before we do, I just want to mention that there is a theory that um, Arthur was actually a Roman centurion named Lucius <clears throat> Arturus Castus. Who fought against the Picts, which, by the way, Matthew, are our uh, ancestors, uh, Hadrian's Wall in the 2nd century AD. And that's 300 years earlier than the time that Arthur's dates are normally set. That's one theory. It's, I mean, not really um, bolstered that much by evidence. They're just kind of trying to think of what could have caused this, <laughs> kind could've, of. Could have caused this Arthur thing. This <laughs> yeah. Thing. And that was... that. That was the, you know, theory they used when they made that movie, um, King with Arthur. Kira Knightley and, um... Clive Owen. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that dude. I, um... I love that movie. I watch it a lot. Anyway, let's, let's go through real quick what, what was pre-Jeffrey, uh, and then we'll talk about post-Jeffrey. Okay, so the pre-Jeffrey, so, like, like, the name Arthur comes from, so he was actually, like, Welsh. Um... Mm-hmm. And, and Brighton, so, you know, that whole thing. But, uh, um, so when we talk about, like, the pre-Jeffrey, so there there are a couple of Latin texts, so that, mm-hmm. the Latin is going to be your, like, um, the, like, the lives of saints is what they are, and so there's, like, several examples of, like, 
author, Arthur. I, can't, I keep saying author? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> There's several examples of Arthur showing up in very, very early, like, saints stories. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about the themes, though, that, that are, yeah. you were well, saying. There's right, so, themes. well, yeah, so there's the there's a couple of Latin texts, but then everything else is Welsh. Um, okay. So even, like, his name comes through, but so, like, so when we were talking about, like, the, the like, Welsh Arthur as opposed to Latin Arthur, mm-hmm. um, the, the strands are, yeah, like, you, you touched on him, that he was, like, this peerless warrior who just you know, just crushed it and protected England and Britain, the Britons. So like he, yeah, like not, he was not seen so much as a king, but like as this like hero, this defender. And so like when you say like external enemies, like think like the Saxons, um, which is like a huge like reoccurring thing. But also they, him and his like knights um, would, who, who also had like, according to these legends, like the knights or heroes the other heroes had supernatural powers as well. So they were all like really strong and really brave and they would go fight. And I kid you not, this, I wrote down this list cause I thought it was so amazing. Cat monsters, what? <laughs> divine dragons and boars, dog heads, giants and witches. So I was just like, dog. I immediately was like cat monsters. Ah, Google that. That's so specific. Yeah. So they, you know, so which Why really you fight a dog head. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> well, and dog it's like, head. And a dog head? And, I, you know, when I looked up, I was like, so what do these mean, right? And, okay, so, like, literally, I guess, like, in the, the context of the, this folklore, like, where this came from, cat monster is giant cat monster. Yes. That's what it was. That is what it is. It's just a giant cat who is, like, I guess, super violent. And then a dog head is literally, a, it's, like, kind of, like, it's just a, it's, like, a person who has the head of a dog. Okay. And is a monster. That's um, awesome. Yeah. How do you know they're monsters? They could be very nice people. Right, oh, yeah. And just, you know, give them a chance. Just years, <laughs> centuries and generations of, you know, fear-mongering right. against them. Doesn't make them bad people. Anyways, um, so yeah, so then the other was he's just the the figure, so kind of like uh, coming off of that, like he's he's a figure of folklore and who has like heroes, like a band of heroes, and he uh-huh. lives in the wilds. So, okay. so this idea of him just, like, he, like, lives out and protects England. And then the last thing was his close connection to the underworld. Huh. And I'm not sure how you pronounce this because this is Welsh and that is, like, a whole other yeah. thing. But it's spelled A-N-N-W-N. And that is the Welsh underworld. And so I was thinking. And when. I'm going to say Enwin. Anun. An- yeah. Anun. It, guys, it's Anun. Anun. Perf. See? See? Welsh. <laughs> Making no sense Welsh. to Americans since forever. Um. <laughs> And so, like, so it said that, like, his, like, his, um, like, his war band, like, all his, you know, what we think of now as knights and stuff, but, like, his squad. it was his war band <laughs> and his, his wife were former um, pagan gods or goddesses, so they were associated with that, like, pagan pantheon, so he had, like, you know, former gods, like, rolling with him and stuff, and a lot of his possessions... Um, and this might be kind of where, like, you know, when you're talking about the shield and the spear and even the sword and Excalibur and stuff, where, like, otherworldly in nature, I guess, which is, like, supposing, yeah, they had some supernatural power and were probably from the underworld themselves. Gotcha. That enabled him to do stuff like that. So. Okay. Yeah. So these are the, like, the common things that before, before the history of the kings of Britain, which is what Jeffrey wrote. 
Jeffrey. This was like the common when you heard about Arthur, this warrior who was godlike and had close ties to the underworld and and gods and goddesses, right? And then when um, Jeffrey came along, he kind of changed that and put that and like I said, kind of put it into like inserted this folklore hero into a historical context. And that's part of the reason why they're like, is he real? Is he not real? Like, he doesn't really show up this way. Like, the way that Jeffrey describes him, he doesn't really show up. But everything after Jeffrey, like, reflects some some type of um, influence from him. Right. When was that Jeffrey's, when was Jeffrey's book and what was it called? Jeffrey's book was written in 1138 and it is called The History of the Kings of Britain. Okay. Yeah. So there's the History of Britain... <clears throat> Or Britannia, or whatever. And then Jeffrey wrote The History of the King. So, like Emily was saying, it's literally this, like, um, you know, they wanted this connection. So it's like, oh, yeah, go through the kings and where they came from. Oh, look, they all came from uh, what is now France, you know? Yeah, So it's it's like showing that lineage and connecting that and kind of establishing, like, a birthright, if you will. Right. And that's why it's not as connected to Welsh folklore, in that story because they are like nope that's ours (laughs) um so uh, moving on to like a 12th century poet whose name is french um and it's spelled the last name is de troyes d-e-t-r-o-i-e-s um he was the first one to introduce lancelot so before the 12th century lancelot did not exist right and that's also um, why he's like lancelot de Lac. Because Dulac is French. (laughs) Ah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And um, the story that he wrote was The Knight of the Cart, which we've already discussed was a a hanging offense. (laughs) Because he decided he was hesitant to sit in the cart, the criminal cart. (laughs) Um, So we assume that this person invented him. And he um, is actually one of the... uh, I looked at all of these syllabuses for... um, Syllabi. For... (laughs) Classes having to do with Arthurian legends, and like I have all the books that they like recommended you read, <laughs> which I was like, how did this even happen? <laughs> but which books um, are there? So by this guy, Detroit's is Arthurian romances, and it's a bunch of sm- small stories. Um, there's Mallory's La Mort de Arthur, which is the death of Arthur. Um, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Um, mm, yeah, I don't know the name of it. And then there's one that just says King Arthur. And I don't think this is actually part of anything. I think this is an extra book that I have. But there's those three first books uh, are like the... They keep popping up on syllabuses. Right, yeah. And, um, yeah, I wanted to talk about... So, yeah, historically, Camelot, the castle that is associated with King Arthur, was invented by by this guy. Um, And people think it's uh, Cadbury Castle in England. They've found no evidence of that <laughs> they've the um in like a while ago um someone tried to excavate to find this you know camelot castle and they found nothing so right isn't there this idea that there's oh there's this like stone or something i was i remember like reading about where it's like oh we found this stone and that's how we know <laughs> and it's like <laughs> okay <laughs> sure and at some point, Arthur's bones were supposedly found at Glastonbury, Glastonbury Abbey in 1191. Um, though this was uh, nothing more than a fabrication designed to quell the belief that 
Arthur would return to expel the invading Normans. So, they're like, your king's dead. (laughs) We're Normans, we're here, get over it. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, There's a lot of pieces to it, and a lot of it finds its way into, like, modern myths in, like, the Holy Grail is, you know, uh, in a lot of different stories and unconnected with King Arthur, as is Guinevere in, like, Lancelot and all of these things. Yeah. Well, and Excalibur, too, is kind of, like, really permeated into, like, modern culture, even, even if all you know is that it's just a powerful sword. Like, yeah. Like, if you say Excalibur, most people know what you're talking about. Right. And actually, these stories took off between the, um, with the marriage of Henry II and Eleanor of Aquitaine, and they kind of, uh, increased this idea that it was, like, the coming, the second coming of Arthur and Camelot again, and they paid a lot of bards to make up stories and sing about Arthur, and everyone started to get really super into it. Um, super into it. Get really so, pumped, because Arthur's back, but his name's actually Henry now, so, like... Pumped. <laughs> and I think he actually, he took those bones that supposedly were Arthur's and, like, buried them under a huge monument and something like that. Gave him, like, so. a king's burial, you know. Yeah. So we were talking about this story being a representation of, like, the chosen one myth. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, who are you supposed to identify with in this story? Like, what, can you answer that? Who do you think? Well, are you- I, feel, I feel like it depends on your... Right, okay, that is a great question. Because it because, depends on your personal experience, I think. Well, <laughs> I think that... For instance, you know, Arthur and Guinevere and all these knights, they're, like, godlike. And you're not supposed to identify with gods. Like, you're not... That's kind of what I was just thinking. Like, I don't really identify with any of them because, like, their experiences seem so outlandish to me. Like... Right. They are not people... Like, they're fun to listen to, like, their stories, but none of them, I think, like, oh, yeah, that reminds me of myself. Yeah. Well, I think they are very much, like... Well, they're, like, Roman or Greek gods in the sense that they're flawed... Right. Um, well, which makes actually, them a little more relatable. Like, but that's only if you're talking. Yeah, like if you think about like Lancelot and Guinevere's. Like, right. I would say affair. that they're not flawed. I think that, for instance, the only person who's flawed is Guinevere because she's the downfall of humanity. Clearly, she's and a woman. witch. Be- and a witch. Because she's a woman. <laughs> Wait, she's not a witch. That was Morgan. There's yeah. a theme about how women are witches and the downfalls of humanity. We'll get into that some more. But <laughs> yeah, so right. what I was. What I was thinking is that you're supposed to you're supposed to identify with the person who they are protecting. You're supposed to be like, wow, they're looking after me. Oh. Yeah. So I was think yeah, you're like, this is great because they're in charge and I'm gonna be okay because they're they're, you know, in it, into it. And that's kind of like a theme all over the world there's these kind of stories about a mythical governmental system, I guess you could say, that like, will save us all. Like, in India, they have um, the Ramayana, which is the story of Ram and um, his life and his kingdom. We're not talking about the spear now, are we? <laughs> no, not the, the spear, spear Ram. Ron. Oh, the, oh, my mistake. Yes, the king <laughs> Ram, R-A-M. And he, uh, a lot of stuff happens. Go read the Ramayana if you want to hear it. He was blue. Um... Devadee, devadee, ha ha! Devadee, devadee. 
But he had this mythical kingdom where everyone was happy and his governmental rule was the best. And he died. I think I'm going to... I don't remember what happened, but I'm sure it had something to do with a woman. (laughs) And everyone's, like, trying to get... In India, like, Hindu nationalists are trying to get back to this mythical kingdom that they loved. And it's... It goes back to, I took this class once called apocalyptic literature, and it's not what you think it is. It's this liter- It's a base of literature of people who are disenfranchised, and they write these stories about how great it used to be, and then they're like, you know what, the meek shall inherit the earth, like one day our day will come, and you know, the gods... The people who are in charge now will be shown for what they really are. Until we'll that be in happens. charge. <laughs> right. Until that happens, we're going to drink our frappuccinos and do Pokemon <laughs> Go's and just <laughs> trust in the end of the world. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because, like, for instance, the um, there's the Ramayana. There's, uh, I had a whole list. Oh, the Dead Sea Scrolls are exactly that. They're like, um, our lives suck right now, but... In the future, we're going to have this huge battle and we're going to win. And, like, the description of the amount of people that are in these scrolls is, like, way off the amount of people that actually existed in that time at that place. (laughs) So they're like, we're going to, you know, kick their butt. We have thousands and thousands of people. Like, everyone will join us, you know. So I think that is that this Mm. is kind of a beginning to this. I mean, not originally. I think originally it was something else. But at this point, the reason that it's so popular is because it's this, like, return to the golden age, you know, kind of narrative. Okay, I got two things to say. First of all, I kind of agree, but I also kind of think that there's a lot more to this story than Mm -hmm. just that apocalyptic literature angle. I think that there's so much to unpack here um, in in the way that, like, a lot of old old stories are. Like, if you ever read uh, Don Quixote... Mm-hmm. Or the uh, the uh, the Odyssey. They're just like a lot of disconnected stories and things, and this is mm-hmm. what this feels like to me. So, in one element, it can be like about these people who are like, "Well, Arthur's coming back one day, and they're going to he's going to like make everything right." But another another portion of this this tale is also about like you know true love and and how it has to be hidden from the reality of of marriage and courtly graces and things like that. There's a lot of content, and like, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons it's such fertile ground for remakes and demakes and all these other crazy spinoffs and things. Is because like you can focus on any one particular thing and mm-hmm. write a whole, you know, a whole series, a uh, whole season of TV on it. You know, like, yeah, that's true, right? And it's the same thing we said when we did the zombie episode. It was like there, it's it's surprisingly fertile ground because it's really depends on what aspect of the story you want to focus on. That's true. Um, yeah. Also, the other thing I want to say is that uh, it got me thinking when you said, Emily, that uh, these these characters, you're not really supposed to identify with them. You're supposed to think of them as, uh, like, the protectors, the people who are doing doing good for you and going yeah. to keep the government going and keep everything, keep you safe. And I got to thinking, like, I wonder what the, the, uh, the version of that is in modern times, and it's superheroes. Because no one trusts the government, no one trusts anything, but right. fictional superheroes are always there to keep us safe from, you know, incredible danger. Yeah, and I think that is definitely how, like, in the Silver Age of comics, 
Like, that is how superheroes were. I think nowadays people are trying to make them more relatable and, like, you're supposed to relate with them as opposed to bit. the other way around. But, but like, the Avengers movies, for instance, they're still, like, it's them versus, like, the great evil and they always triumph and the great evil's destroyed and some people die, but not as many people as would have died if... <laughs> as would have died. Let's the be great clear. evil got, got their hands on us, you know? Yeah. And they have uh-huh. more personalities now and, like, they have, like, flaws and human characteristics, but they're still, like, they, like, shoot down from outer space in a bolt of lightning and, like, crash the earth as they come in. Like, they're not, like, relatable, relatable, you know? Yeah. No, that's true. They're and just think- hot. No, <laughs> that's yeah. hot. Well, no, I'm not. And, like, as proof of that, like, think about the, the Avengers movie at the very end when, like, after the credits when they were eating those uh, shawarmas. Yeah. That was so delightful because everyone's like, oh, they're just like me. They eat a shawarma in a shitty deli sometimes. <laughs> Like, and I, I think that's, like, their effort to try and, like, make you... I think I get what you're saying. And I think like that, that that's that is... That's proof positive. That's how they were, were represented. And you're right. I think they're moving towards more of, like, a every man can be a superhero kind of thing. But... But the that... origin... I, I agree. The, the, the kernel of the idea for superheroes is that they are, you know, they're incorruptible and they're, you know, gonna keep you safe. We were talking about um, the meaning, and I think uh, to move on, a big part of the um, the enduring legend is the love affair between Lancelot and Guinevere, Absolutely. and it's like it's partially like backstabbing. How could you do this? But it's also like their love True is love. so strong that even you know hose before bros, and <laughs> like. Even though she's gonna die and he betrays his king, she he saves her because he loves her so much. And um, the bitch leaves him anyway because he he paused before riding in a dirty cart. Well, and like that's why I think it's so complex because like if you focus on uh, Guinevere's story, it's one of like indecision and like broken loyalties. If you focus on Lancelot, it's one of like yeah, similar love feelings, conquering like, all. Like the the strength of love and like doing du- going for like love duty else. duty to oneself versus like duty to your like country or king or whatever right. But then if you focus on Arthur as the, the protagonist of the story, it's about like backstabbing and betrayal and like yeah. how do you reconcile the love of two people you you were so into against their like terrible actions against you? Well, yeah. there was a movie. Okay, so kind of flash forwarding a little bit. Like okay. one of the That's movies fine. I saw. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying, and like this really sucks because I promise you guys, I know that this was like, like it might have been first night even. It was okay. some movie, so it was like a, I haven't seen it in so long now. But there was like it's like a it's like a take it's like a take on the author tales where like Arthur and Guinevere couldn't have a kid. So, like, if you... Okay, so going forward through the thing. So, you know, like... Okay, so you guys were just talking about... I have the exact opposite opinion about Arthur and the Tales. Because I think originally it started off what you guys were saying. Where it's like, oh, like, Arthur and the Knights and Guinevere are, like, like these gods among us. And they are the shining example. But, like, as you go through the story... And there are different, like, I guess, like, interpretations or different versions of the stories. But they get really fucked up. (laughs) Like, I mean, and just starting off with, like, yeah, like... Arthur's dad, like, disguising himself and, like, like not raping this woman because she thought she was sleeping with her husband, but then it turns out she wasn't. But then they find out that she wasn't, and then, like, 
her child was like taken from her and she was shamed. So because of that, she Arthur has all these half sisters, and that Morgan Le Fay is his half sister mm-hmm. who he sleeps with, and yeah. that's where Mordred comes from. Yeah. So like Arthur can't have a baby with his wife because he's had this like bastard child with his sister, which is incest, which is like whole other level un ungodly. And so because of that, he can't have a baby with Guinevere. He knows that Lancelot and Guinevere have this courtly love and allows Guinevere and Lancelot to sleep together, if for nothing else than to have a baby that mm. that, that Arthur can claim as his heir. Interesting. But I think like so, uh, like, it gets really... Oh, sorry, I'll just... you could focus on, though. Like, it's... Right. It's, like, another way of telling the same story with completely you know what different all this, opinions, though. You know what all this sounds like is Greek mythology. Like, Zeus sleeps with what's-her-face, Perseus's mom. Disguises himself as the king... What I can't remember his name now. But, like, disguises himself as a king, sleeps with this woman, she gets pregnant... And they throw, you know, the baby and the woman into the sea or whatever. And, like, she's shamed and she dies and the baby is rescued and uh-huh. is, like, unlike unto a god. You know? So, like, there's still, like, these themes that are much older. Yeah. Than, yeah. So, it's, like, so in that way, when we were talking about it being unrelatable, well, the whole thing with, like, the Greek and Roman pantheon is that they were relatable. Like, gods were flawed and they were fallible and they were jealous and they were petty and... They would, like, fall in love, and they would, like, betray their relationships or establish new relationships. And so I think in that way, the Arthur legends are very relatable because it's like, oh, my God, like, he got his heart broken just like me, you know, or, like, (laughs) Lancelot has all this unrequited love just like me. So, I mean, I I think you guys have, right, like, one way to look at it is this superhero kind of idea, like, this we can be better than ourselves but then it quickly kind of falls, like, the further you get into the story, it quickly falls into, nope, we're just people, and people are always going to have some <laughs> element of, like, ne'er-do-well yeah, that and will I, trip them up in the end. I find it really interesting, this, like, cyclical nature of the whole thing. Like, Uther bangs the Duke of Cornwall, and then begets Arthur, and Arthur bangs his sister for some reason, and then begets Mordred, who kills him. And it's yeah. like this, <laughs> first of all, it's a warning about bastards, like... Bastards will fuck you up. They're bastards. But, yeah, well, his sister was married Cla- to the Claim king your of Orkney, bastards so. and take care of them, otherwise. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's right. Make sure they don't overthrow you. Um, I think that it's interesting because Arthur is... Sub- I think he, of all the characters, is unflawed, even though he has a weird love child with his sister. Like, I think he's supposed to be seen as, like, this unflawed character, and I think that his downfall comes from the way that he was, you know, born and the way that he came into the world. And so, like, it's kind of this tragedy of life as everyone sees it. You know, he was perfect. He did everything right. And still he, you know, his wife slept with someone else and he was killed by his child and, like, things like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, ultimately, just, yeah, exactly. Just because you're supposed to be this, like, shining beacon on a hill doesn't mean that you aren't going to make mistakes. Because you could argue that, like, oh, well, Arthur's mistake was having, like, sleeping with his sister and having it, uh, <laughs> you know, and that sort of thing. But also, too, like, he didn't have to marry Guinevere either, you know? Like, yeah. he wanted her and chose her, and so they got married. Um, you know, like, would not, like, you know, and I think, too, that's, 
talking about like how this relates to other things and maybe why it was so popular during the time that it was. But, you know, it was like this idea too that like I think in a lot of ways that's why people want or believe very strongly that, you know, like 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 that's why Jesus didn't take a wife. Yeah. You know? Like wh- like women just make everything harder apparently. <laughs> Men oh, don't do any of that. On Men that don't make note, any problems. We make it all worse. On that note, I, I wanted that. <laughs> I'm I wanted- so hey for all womankind, Matthew, I'm really sorry about all the problems I've caused for you. I, Personally. I accept your apology. A, thank you. I appreciate that. It's like gasoline on a flame. <laughs> all right. Let's let's examine that for a second, though, because I was doing research, <laughs> and I was like, for some reason, this name popped up, and it was not Guinevere. It was Guinevere. And I was like, who the heck is Guinevere? And I found out that it is Guinevere's sister. And so I'm going through like this, mm. like trying to figure out what she has to do with this the story. Sometimes it says that it, uh, she's Mordred's wife, but I think that's um, not really part of the canon. But she, so the final battle, you know, between Mordred and Arthur, it said that she caused it. I was like, what do you mean she caused it? Like, there's all of these other like <laughs> examples of things that like, like, choices other that reasons. other people made, but. And then it said, like, she slapped Guinevere, and that's what led to the downfall in this battle. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, how? How? It was a it was a cat fight. She slapped her, and then there was a battle? Like, there was all this other stuff going on. Well, I, I was just... <laughs> well, maybe that was, like, the immediate cause. <laughs> like, there's all this other shit and all these other reasons they should have fought, and then uh, Guinevere, or whatever her name is, just slapped... Yeah, slapped Arthur's wife, and Arthur was like, all right, fuck it, you're dead. Like, you're all dead. I'm so tired of you guys. Supposedly, this is a... I'm so tired of this shit! This is after... I mean, so the battle happened after she ran off with Lancelot. So it's like, did she slap her when she was away with Lancelot, or when she was in the court? And if so, if she slapped her when she was in the court, why did it take so long to culminate in this battle? Like, I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. So, like, in history class in, in uh, uh, uh-huh. it was in middle school, I don't know if you guys learned this, but we, we were taught that, like, for any, like, big dramatic uh, movement mm-hmm. in history, there, there's, like, a bunch of, there's a way, like, there was a way of categorizing okay. the reasons it would happen, and it was called Sperm I See. <laughs> we all laughed at at the time, because um, we were in <laughs> but, middle school. But, damn it, you remembered that <laughs> shit. Yeah, I did. And so, it, the reasons are social, political, economic... B-E-R... Religious? Uh, Religious? They stand for stuff. Religious and military. And then the IC stands for immediate cause. So, like, that's the thing that, oh. like, ignites the powder keg. So there's always got to be, apparently, some element in each one of those categories, and then the immediate cause can be something, like, pretty benign, but it just sets off the like whole... Like the shooting the of an archduke in Serbia. It Interesting. Exactly. For okay. Instance, yeah. Or like slapping your bitch sister because she yeah. fucking deserved slapping it. your hoe bag exactly. sister. Um, yeah. Okay. But like, there's other reasons that like happen, but like that's just like the domino that sets the whole thing off. I did not learn that, but I'm like right? disappointed in my school system. <laughs> sperm I see. Sperm I see. Writing it. I'm writing it down. If you hit the click, that's my pen. <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, some of the. Media. I mean, it's everywhere. The story is repeated like a billion t- times. Yeah, 
I actually went and looked up on Wikipedia, like, things related to the Arthurian legend, and there's literally two different Wikipedia pages, like, three or four screen scrolls long of just <laughs> fiction that is based on the, uh, the Arthurian legend. In fact, there's one section, there's one page that is just fiction that's based on the Connecticut Yankee yeah. and King Arthur's Court novel that is based on Which has the very little novel. to do with... So it's literally just, like, a page... Yeah, a page of of spinoffs <laughs> of a spinoff. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, you're right. Because that that's super popular. Nested and we talked spin-offs. about that a little in our time travel thing. Um, the Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's oh, Court. Yeah. No, I'm looking... I, I did the same thing, Matt, where I just... I literally Googled, like, King Arthur Media and got, like, a list and it goes through... Yeah, it's... Millions. Like, film, like, modern literature, film, uh, like, TV shows, like... Opera, like th- you know, theater, and I'm looking at the like modern literature, and I was kind of like reading through the list. I'm like, I'm gonna read the <laughs> shit out of some of this stuff because I told, um, I was telling Emily before we got on here, but there's one called, uh, it's by Douglas Clegg, it's C L E G G, called Mordred Bastard Son. It was in, it was written in, it was written in 2006. And this is what it says in its description. It says, centers on a sympathetic Mordred who enters into a romance with Lancelot. And I was like, boom! I'm reading the shit out of that. But there's also one, like, one of mine and Emily's favorite, or I don't know if you, Matt, we've talked about oh. this a lot, Sabriel. Oh, yeah, you guys love that um, shit. By Barth, yeah, we fucking, we fucking love that shit. Um, by Garth Nix. He wrote, well, he wrote Across the Wall, and which is like a compilation of stor- short stories. And apparently... There's one of his called Under the Lake or something like that. Hang on, let me find it. Okay, yeah, it's called, uh, it's Across the Wall. And he said there are two stories that take a different approach. One is called Under the Lake. And it is a short story that portrays the Lady of the Lake as a parasitic monster creature. Oh, man. And then there's a, a second one in that book called Heart's Desire, and it tells of Merlin and his apprentice and the untimely doomed relationship between them. So, I mean, this shit is everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Well, let us and I, mention yeah, the mm, most important so um, reference, which is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, obviously the most important reference. Most important, which is hilarious. But um, there's also, interestingly enough, there's this book that I I really liked and like I just read it again recently it's a young adult novel but it's about like this so there's like this secret society of people who and they call themselves like the order of the bear or whatever and they want to they're like watching the world for like Arthur's return like reincarnation they're talking so they like monitor these these dudes who they think are going to be the next Arthur and it it specifically like focuses around his his birth, like the circumstances of Arthur's birth, which is the Uther bangs the Duchess of Cornwall, like someone else's wife. So throughout this book, it's about this girl who is watching this happen. Like there's a dude in her class, and she's like, "Huh, he fits all the you know descriptions." And her parents are Arthurian scholars, so she. She doesn't think about this at first, but she kind of starts to realize everyone's being real creepy about this dude and, like, cause... Is this a, is this something... Is this real life? What, what are you talking about right I'm now? I'm talking about a book. Oh, shit! Oh, my God, I totally missed that part where it was a book. I was like, <gasps> is this real? No, I think <laughs> that the, the Order of the Bear is a real thing, but I don't know for sure. 
Um, but anyway, they're they're like monitoring this guy, and um, they also are kind of monitoring his friends because there's you know Guinevere and Lancelot and all these uh, Sir Gawain and all this stuff, and they're like they're trying to prevent this this Guinevere and Lancelot thing from happening because they view that as the downfall of the whole thing. And there's a there's a tennis poem called The Lady of Shalott, and The Lady of Shalott had a thing for Lancelot, but he, I don't know, wouldn't give her the time of day. So she, as you will, you know, lays down in a boat and just, like, kills herself and shoves the boat so it will go past Camelot so everyone can see her dead body, because, you know, that's awesome. how, how you do. <laughs> so that's a, it's a beautiful poem, actually, but um, that's what happens. And so they think that this main character is the Lady of Shalott because for some reason she just likes to float around in her pool and they're like, clearly that's her role in all this. So they're trying to push her <laughs> on the Lancelot character who is already banging Guinevere. Like, it's already done. <laughs> so they're like, there's this whole thing happening. And then at a certain point, I'm going to spoil it. So uh, if you are listening and you want to read this book, just uh, fast forward like 30 seconds. But it turns out that... Not only is she not the Lady of Shalott, because she's like, this is fucking weird. Like, I don't want to... She she doesn't like the Lady of Shalott's, like, path in life, obviously. <laughs> but she's like, she ends up being the Lady of the Lake. Because she hands, like, um... A pool noodle. <laughs> well, actually, it's a gun, but... <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> she gets him a gun before his brother tries to kill him and, like, all sorts of stuff. But it's, it's really good, because you're like... They take all these legends and, like, put them all together in this context. It's really great. Anyway, I liked that one. That sounds kind of amazing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I also thought uh, along these lines, in England there's this um, castle, and I've forgotten the name of it, but I went there, and it's the base of the MacLeods, the MacLeod clan, and they have a flag that supposedly was given to them by fairies. Like, that is the legend that they all think is true. <laughs> they e- all believe it. <laughs> even to today. And um, it's made out of oh, yeah, silk. yeah, a fairy flag. It's a fairy flag. And basically what happens is that every time they're in trouble, they were told to fly the flag and the fairies would come and help them. And they've actually done this before, uh-huh. like in historical record. They've flown the flag and, like, gotten out of trouble did fairies come? Fairies How? came! They, no, know? I don't know the, you know, I don't know. But they've flown it twice in historical record, and both times they, they got out of whatever thing That's happened. That's awesome. Yeah. Clearly the fairies did come. Yeah, so clearly they did. They have it on display. It is a raggedy, raggedy piece of shit. But it's like, I mean, it's like hundreds <laughs> of years old, and it's silk. It used to be green, now it's yellow. So that's awesome. It's, it's I just thought of it as like this, you know, Arthur's gonna come again. The fairies will help us. That's so cool. If I Aww. if I were like alive and in that family during the time when the flag was was f- flown, yeah, and we got out of it, I would tell everybody <laughs> that fairies helped us. I'd be like, hell yeah, the fairies came. I drank a little thimble full of raspberry wine. It was awesome. And then they went well, and killed those guys that were giving us trouble. That's right, and that's basically the story that the McLeods you know, present, they actually allowed historians to, like, take a look at the flag and, like, analyze it, and they're like, well, this is silk from China, and blah, 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 and they're like, we respectfully disagree. It's from fairies. (laughs) It's from... Listen to me. It's a fucking fairy flag. 
I hear what you're saying, but I happen to know for a fact that it's fairy stone. <laughs> made made from spider webs. So You've got science and I have history. Don't care. <laughs> like it was it was funny because it was all like written on a little sign that was like you know historians this is what historians say, and it's untrue because it was given to us by fairies, <laughs> and they're a bunch of bullshit bullshitters who don't know anything. You cannot trust them. Clap your hands now if you believe. I just thought that's it was hilarious. so funny, but yeah, I think that's interesting. And um, what other like Did, popular permutations so, can we talk about? Yeah, let me just I'm gonna go through and like run down. Just popular ones, ones that people yeah, would know. Just, no, because, like, it's a big list. I can't probably even remember, but, like, uh, Modern Literature... I will help you with any that you don't say. The Dragon Lord by David Drake. Uh, The Burry Giant by Kazuo Ishigo. Just do ones that you uh, know. The Legends of King yeah. and His Knights. The Boy's King and Arthur. The Boy's King Arthur... Oh, I don't know. Da Boys. Da Boys. Okay, so like I know the Once and Future King. And yeah. I know um, the Sword and the Stone. Quest for Camelot. Quest for Camelot, I suppose. Um, <laughs> what else? I love that. The the dude was blind. You I've never that? seen that. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, um, it's it's an animated. It's it's a cartoon one, and um, yeah, it's just. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's made for children. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But I watched that a lot when I was a kid. The uh, the Merlin TV show, the uh, the movie right. series, what was on TV for a while. Oh, did you guys ever see The Mist of Avalon? No, I didn't. Also, was it good? No. I know that's a book. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, a book, and they made it into a TV like series. Um, and it was like I think it was back in, like two thousand one. I mean, it was like early. I'm looking at it right yeah. Now. Okay, yeah, okay. it was like. Really early, yeah, okay, so 2001, and it's about, like, it's about the Lady of the Lake, right, and her, like, sisters and some oh. shit. So, again, like, what Matt was saying is, like, it's a total different perspective yeah. as far as, like, characters and stuff, but I remember watching that and being, like, like literally just kind of, like, head cocked and, like, drool coming out of my mouth being, like, I am so wrapped <laughs> up in this, I have no idea what's going on. This is, like, <laughs> like, well, who are you people? But it was just so, like, cool. Interesting. Obviously, we have the Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. We have yeah, the, that was a great one, too. Connecticut Yankee, a young Connecticut Yankee. <laughs> We've got Army of Darkness, because they go back in time to yeah. King Arthur's Court, I guess. It's on this list for some reason. Holy Grail? Holy, yeah. uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail? Of yep. course. Uh, yeah, what Naturally. What's the one, uh, the not the Tomb Raider movie, but the Indiana Jones movie? Oh, uh, yeah. What's that one called? Mm. Uh, no. Indiana what? Jones and nope, nope, don't remember. Nope, mm mm. It's the one where they get that's... find the Holy oh, Grail. Oh, you're talking about. Oh, you're talking find about the Holy Grail. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail. Is that what? Last, it's no, it's Last Crusade. Last Crusade. There you go, okay. Last Crusade. I thought you were talking about like you know Indiana Jones because back in time, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, score, no. like that never fucking happened. Did you guys ever watch First Night? No. Nope. That's a really great one. Sean Connery is Arthur, and Richard Gere's in it as Lancelot. Interesting. And then Julia Ormond is Guinevere. So it's all about what you were the story you were telling uh, Emily about, like their like unrequited love. And that's why I think it's the one when I was talking about the one where it's like Arthur's like, "You can sleep with him, so we can have a baby." I don't rem- I don't think that happened in First Night anymore. But that one, that movie is all about that story, oh, that love okay. story. Interesting. We've got um, a kid in King Arthur's Court. Yeah. 
So we got, good. Uh, King Arthur's Court meets Air Bud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically. Oh, the movie Excalibur. That's such a great one. Where the dude has the, like, silver skull cap, no, right? No, no, no. I've never seen that. I don't know. I'll take yeah, I think Merlin. I think Merlin wears a skull cap, and it's like silver and awesome. I think and and Lem Neeson's okay. in it. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, carry on. We've got Fate Stay Night, which is an anime. Apparently, it's pretty recent. <gasps> oh, that one's so good. What is it called? Yeah, and like Fate it. Zero. Yeah, Fate Zero as well. And Arthur's a woman. Let's talk about what? that for a second. Oh yeah, like so in this yeah, and that like telling of it, it's like. Um, okay, so, like, the premise of the anime itself doesn't really matter. I'm not going to go into it because that's something like, totally different and will take, like, forever. Yeah. But there's a couple of elements from Arthur. So, like, essentially, like, the spirit of Arthur is, like, summoned to fight in, like, present-day battle or whatever. And they're different, like, I guess, weaponry represented. And so Saber is Arthur. And Arthur was a woman. And so they, like, kind of talk about how like oh yeah like basically her identity was concealed so everyone thought she was a man and it was kind of it's very much on par with like a little bit of Joan of Arc kind of thing um but instead of like openly being a woman it was like oh that didn't really go so well for her so um but there's also a different um cast of warrior whatever that's also summoned and it's a berserker and then you find out Spoiler! <laughs> Give it a second so people can take their headphones out. Um, the Berserker is Lancelot. Interesting. Hmm. Sorry, it's just it's just a really cool. Like I really enjoyed that anime a lot because of those like little things like that where it's yeah. like, you know, okay. oh shit! Like <laughs> King Arthur's a lady. I love it. Um, before we move oh. on, that that YA book I was talking about is uh, Avalon High by Meg Cabot, but they made it into a TV. Uh, I think a TV movie. And in the TV movie, it wasn't she wasn't the Lady of the Lake. She was actually Arthur. And I was like, uh, "All right, yeah, I all did. right, I get it." And they kind of switched it around, and he was the Lady of the Lake. That's fun. Go ahead. So <laughs> I was reading here um, about Tristan and Isolde, which is another yeah. uh, medieval poetry uh, tale about two lovers. And I knew that this tale was kind of the precursor and what inspired. Uh, Romeo and Juliet in large part mm. but it says here on the Wikipedia page yeah. where I do all my research that uh, it also <laughs> probably it predates the Arthurian legend and oh. probably influenced the Arthurian romance of uh, Lancelot and Guinevere oh yeah definitely I yeah. can see it which which yeah totally makes sense but it's just like an interesting thought that like this other tale is so old that yeah influence this tale which is so influential in its own way well real quick a rundown of Tristan and Assault is that it's complicated, but Tristan goes to Ireland to fight a giant and then meets Assault and then comes back and tells his boss, the Lord, how hot she is. And the boss goes over there to marry her. Or he's fighting for her hand or something. And he's super in love with her. But eventually, like, he never uh, betrays his Lord there. And she does. Oh. And then, she, but he marries someone who has the same name and looks the same as her, <laughs> which is super sad. <laughs> anyway, Tristan and Assault is, I had to read that too for um, school. You guys should watch that, The like, it's like a 2006 movie, the one with, um. Oh yeah, I did, I did watch freaking, that, yeah. 
James Franco as Tristan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and at some point, he, like, puts her on a boat and, like, floats her away. And I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) Like, what? Okay. Well, I think in the, I think in the, a lot of the movie tellings, though, it's, it is where, like, there's this horrible, like, burning desire and, like, lust for one another and this, you know, so it's, like, really, really kind of painful because it's, like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a woman, so I have to do what I'm told, even though I do love you, and he's a king, and I would be, you know what I mean, like, this is literally, this is literally the best I could do, (laughs) is, like, marry a king. And even though I don't, you know, and, and I think in, like, at least in this movie version, it was very much where, like, Azul was torn because the king is a good man yeah. and she loves mm-hmm. him, but, like, she doesn't have that romantic love. And so there's more, like, again, Matt, like, you brought up such a good point. There's just so many perspectives and, you know, and this idea of, like, you know, and Arthur, like, Guinevere being torn, because there's no doubt that, like, Guinevere loves Arthur, and probably, like, really admires him, and really, and sees, she probably also sees him as this, like, shining beacon of who we are wanting to be, but she just doesn't, but she lusts for Lancelot, you know, like, she does feel that romantic love for him. I didn't know Um, that Tristan and Assault predated the Arthurian legends, but it makes all the sense, because that, it's basically the same story. Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but um. Anyways, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So uh, where do we want to go from this? From here? I think that's it. Unless you guys have anything to add. Oh well, we did talk about. I mean, you mentioned like we we spoke a little bit about like the chosen one, but like um, you were saying how you didn't think that Arthur is a good example of that, and so you know we kind of talked about like yeah. oh yeah, like his birth the way he was born but also too um i don't know if we wanted to touch on that or if we should just do i I, we keep coming back to this idea of the chosen one kind of theme and maybe we should just do a whole separate episode on it because it's like can um, because arthur's like yeah it's like is he a chosen one i don't know i mean yes can we think of something that is the example like the best example of the chosen one not harry potter besides harry potter like well, um, there's here's a way of thinking about it, right? Like, <clears throat> if Merlin changed uh, Arthur's dad into the Duke of Nottingham or whatever with the Polyjuice Potion, <laughs> so that he could because <laughs> he's a Slytherin, right? Yeah, because he's a right. Slytherin. God, if that was the best but, ever, man. <laughs> if if he did that specifically so that he could have sex with this woman and have a child, in a way, Arthur is very specifically chosen. Like yes. you know, if you think about it, like. Merlin's like whatever wizard knowledge he has. He's like, I need this guy and this girl to have a baby, and it needs to be called this. And so we'll do what it takes to get this baby out. <laughs> so I, I yeah. think what I'm making a mistake then because I'm thinking that you're supposed <clears throat> to um, uh, relate to the chosen one, and maybe you're not. Maybe that's not what it's about. Like oh. You know, I was thinking, like, oh, it's supposed to be putting you in the shoes of this person. But it's, like, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, not really. <laughs> it doesn't seem like I part mean, of it. It can be. Like, that, I think that it's, like, you could write the story that way. Right. But you don't, I don't think it necessarily needs to be that way. Okay. I think it's just has to be, like, there is some kind of prophecy or something in which you specifically are called out somehow. Right. That makes sense. Like, some... 
some group of people expects you to do something that you have no idea about. Yeah. Until they tell you. Interesting. Yeah, let's let's save it sense. for another podcast. Maybe we can come up with um, a better examination of it. Yeah, I, I agree because we uh, that's that's a lot to talk about as well. Yeah, I think we did a really good yeah. job of talking about Arthurian legends this time. You don't need to yeah muddy the waters. I agree. Well, and like yeah, kind of like in closing, like there's a lot. Yeah. There's yes, just, there's a lot of information out there. And I think like we, yeah, scratching the surface and doing kind of basic um, research has just like, just shown us how, how much of a thing it yeah. is in our culture. And like, yeah, just like across the board, like we didn't even talk about like video games, but of course there are like video yeah. games based on this oh, because, yeah. you know, um, but like, yeah, it is so much, and it's it really is kind of like permeated um, into a lot of culture cultural references. Yeah, and um, a, but it's still debated. Like, I think that's kind of a cool yeah. aspect of it. It's like people even now, like people are like, was he real? Was he not real? Like, how much is made up? How much could have could have been a real person? Like Emily, you mentioned before that's like, oh, was it like, yeah, like a a, a composite of like three different people or five different people? Yeah. Or, Nobody. I think like, it's important. I think like it's so yeah. important. That's why it's debated because it kind of like uh, that story kind of like carved a path for the rest of yeah. literature, you know, in the Western world in a way. And yeah. like you know, there's a few books that have done that. You know, the Bible's one, and so is the Arthurian legends, and like there's probably other ones. Yeah. But that's why it's worth so much ink to be spilled over it because it is um, so critical to everything else that we have read or created. So. Yeah. Analyzing totally. that is understanding that story is a good way to understand the rest of all stories. <laughs> <laughs> and like to pile on that, like he, like you said, there's like 150 knights that are on the round table. All of them oh, have their yeah. own stories. Like Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, that's a famous one. And it's like it boils down to like he was fighting the Green Knight, and he's like the Green Knight's like, hey, you get the first shot, and he cleaves off the Green Knight's head, and the Green Knight is like, great, now my turn. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, that, I've seen that trope played out a couple times, too. Like, that's the yeah. whole story, the Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Like, that's yeah, almost... there's, like, like, Galahad is, like, Galahad is the one, I think, who's, like, closely related to the Grail story. Yeah, he's the one who found it. You know, because he's one of the few that comes yeah. back, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's directly so, like, in the Holy Grail, like, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, when, like, the, the Black Knight gets, he's, like, they fight him and right? they chop off all his yeah, bits, and he's, like... I didn't even yeah. that. Yeah, that's, like, directly taken from the Green Knight story. Yeah. He's just black. (laughs) There's so many levels, guys. Yeah. So much. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll probably, another day, go back to the Chosen One myth once we figure out how to handle it. And uh, (laughs) thank you so much for listening. Bye. 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 What, what, what? Also, uh, for some reason, there is, like, weird background noise when you speak. Always? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Not always. Uh, occasionally. Like, what does it sound like? It sounds like you're possessed and, like, a demon is <laughs> Oh, it's an through. echo. It's, it's an...
Go ahead. It does kind of sound like you're possessed a little bit. Like, oh. like you've got demons in you, and whenever you speak, like they're trying to tell us something. Oh like we're like we as your friends and your sibling are like pushing through because we love you, but like <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're you trying to like ignore a... it. <laughs> oh <my laughs> we don't God. know if it's like a life choice or whatever. <laughs> she's been she's been possessed for a while now. We don't really hear it. Um, <laughs> listen, guys, this is a personal uh, thing, and I think you should stay out of it. <laughs> It's, it's like you went to a parlor somewhere, and they're like, how many demons do you want? And he's like, all of them. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know how to fix this. Please install the demons everywhere on my person. Um, I should call a priest. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Life Narrated, a podcast about life and the stories we tell. My name is Emily, and I am the downfall of humanity. My name is Lauren, and I am a... <laughs> okay, we can try this again. <laughs> again, again. Again. Again! Again! Okay. I was gonna say, I'm a sword polisher, but I'm pretty sure that's a sexual <laughs> innuendo. <laughs> and I was like, ah. Uh...